0: you exactly where you are at on this earth. Now, I'll say, if you don't already know where you're at, then you probably shouldn't have one of those watches, all right? (laughs) Just hold the, and and most of your phones have this, just hold a button on the side and, and ask it a question, and a woman's voice will respond back and will tell you the answer, or it will take you to the website. You can obviously make or receive calls with this thing. It's got a built-in pedometer. It will track your heart rate just a little watch. And by the way, it does tell time as well. (laughs) Those of you from the older generation, did you ever think in your lifetime you would see some of the things that we are seeing today? Uh, I recently, I was back home this week doing a revival and I was, it was back where mom and dad are from. And so I was able to stay with them. And uh, one time dad took me out uh, in uh, in the car and out in the country and was show me this and show me that. And he, um, he, he showed me, we went by this one house and he said, that's, that's, that's where I first saw TV for the first time in my life. First ever TV. And uh, then I I whipped out my cell phone and I started to show him some of the things that my cell phone can do. And it just blew his mind, the things that we can do today. Why am I talking about this? I want us to see how obvious it is that these amazing things were created by man and were made for a purpose. Every single one of these amazing things were made for a purpose. These man-made objects bog our mind, but they don't even compare to some of the things we've already talked about last week. We talked about the cheetah that can run 70 miles an hour, the falcon and the insects and the bombardier beetle. And we're not going to go back and describe the bombardier beetle. Some of you all remember that. Talked about a single cell. It has so much complexity that we have to expand its size to 15 miles to see all the information that is contained in just a single cell. How about life in the womb? Three days after conception, cells have already divided and reproduced themselves 16 times. Yet all of these newly formed cells are on a mission to divide and recreate, each one focused on creating different parts of the body, which is what caused the atheist to look at this and says there has to be a God. By the third through sixth week period, the baby is the size of a grain of rice. Think about that. Three weeks to six weeks, it's the size of a grain of rice. Yet we can see the beginnings of the brain and the spinal column. A simple head and eyes have developed. A little heart is formed with two chambers and is beating. Small buds present themselves that form the arms and the legs. And God, have mercy on our country that we are aborting and destroying lives so much further past that state. And to think that all of this just happened by mere chance, by random selection, and I tell you the only explanation to it all is that there has to be a designer and a creator behind it all. But as we talked about last week, we even have to be careful with that. There are many within that intelligent design camp that believe there is some kind of intelligence behind it all, but they stop short of telling you who or when or why or how it all took place and it leaves mankind just dangling in the air wondering who is this Creator. There must be a divine Creator behind it all, a God who in the beginning created And I'm trying to get to a point here that applies to you and me. A divine designer behind this very intelligent, highly complicated, balanced, intricate design that we call life. I don't have this on the screen, but there are three quick conclusions that we should be able to agree on. The first conclusion is that anyone with a brain can see that there is a purpose for everything made by man, right? Practically everything made by man, there is a purpose to it. The second conclusion is there must, then there must be a purpose for everything not made by man. And the third conclusion is that God must then have a purpose for his greatest creation, and that is you. That is mankind. He has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for all of us. So this morning as we kind of transition, we've been talking about how did I get here, where are we from? This morning we transition to purpose. It's not up on the screen, but where or why am I here? Why am I here? Who at one point in time in their life does not ask this question, why am I here? Maybe someone here this morning has already asked that question. But unfortunately, most people approach this question incorrectly right off the bat. Most people will spend their entire life looking in all the wrong places. They will search all of their life, and here is the key word, they, or you. You will search yourself. You see, people in the world will hop from one thing to the next, trying to find what pleases them, what satisfies them. They'll jump from job to job, or they'll jump from relationship to relationship. They'll even try different stints in churches and different religions, desperately trying to fill that void of purpose in their life. When one tries to find their own purpose in life, it will result, and maybe this describes someone here today, when someone tries to find their own purpose in life, it will result in stress. Anxiety and confusion, leaving one feeling unfulfilled, unsatisfied, and empty. You may have seen the picture that I threw up there. How many of you know who that guy is? Some of you old enough to remember that guy? Mm, Kind of, sort of. That is Iron Eyes Cody. Iron Eyes Cody. I recently shared with the elders uh, this story, but I find this fascinating. Some of you may remember as I read this. In a public service announcement that aired on the first ever Earth Day in 1971, Iron Eyes Cody paddled his canoe up a polluted stream just past the smokestacks of a plant and walked to the edge of a busy highway strewn with trash. As the camera moved in for a close-up, a single tear rolled down his cheek as the narrator said, people start pollution and people can stop it. Now do you remember that commercial, some of you? The ad is still remembered by millions and was recently named one of the best commercials of all time. For Iron Eyes, the crying Indian, the spot proved to be a career zenith and it alone lent him more notoriety than did his 60 years of acting, work, in almost a hundred westerns. But as Iron Eyes gained celebrity and his brethren swarmed to champion his Native American brutes, a petty issue nagged him. Iron Eyes Cody, as it would turn out, was not an Indian after all. Interesting. Instead, he was born Espera de Corte, second son of Italian immigrants who toiled as replacements for freed slaves. Around 1925, Espera, or Oscar as everyone called him, and two brothers struck out for California. They changed their surname to Cody, and Oscar turned 100% Indian. His half-sister recalled how Oscar would dress up as an Indian and lead neighborhood boys in outdoor games. He always said he wanted to be an Indian, she said. If he could find something that looked Indian, he would put it on. The Iron Eyes Indian guys became a comfortable escape from his unsettling past and proved to be a ticket to Hollywood fame besides. He seldom left home without his beaded moccasins, his buckskin jacket and braided wig. He married an Indian woman and adopted two Indian boys. Iron eyes made no apologies. He said, you can't prove it. All I know is that I'm just another Indian. After a series of strokes, he died at the age of 94 and rest in California. This man spent his entire life trying to be something that he wasn't. Amazing how some people will go to extremes, isn't it, to try and find their purpose in life, yet never really finding out who they were meant to be. You see, people today will search for the meaning of life like they search for a pair of shoes. What style do I like? What feels good to me? Is it a right fit for me? How does it look on me? Okay, I'll try it. And then, when that particular shoe wears out, they go in search of to find their purpose all over again. Writer of the purpose driven life, Rick Warren, there's the title Rick Warren said, You may choose your career, your spouse, your hobbies, and many other parts of your life, but you do not get to choose your purpose. Isn't that interesting? You may choose your career, your spouse, your hobbies, and many other parts of your life, but you do not get to choose your purpose. Here's a thought. Some of you may be saying, what is my purpose? I don't know what my purpose is. Here's a thought. If you're not sure what something is, ask the one who made it. Right? Ask Switzerland Hey, what's the purpose of your Rolex watches that cost anywhere from six to twenty-eight thousand dollars for one watch? I don't know, does anybody have one of those this morning? Do you have I don't think you want to declare that. Six to twenty-eight thousand dollars. Hey, Steve Jobs, which he's passed away, but what's the purpose of an iPhone, of an iPod, of an iPad, of the iWatch? And I still haven't gotten this down yet. Brian, maybe you can explain this to me. But do any of your all's phones or anything say that your cloud is full? You know what I'm talking about? Your cloud is full? What does that mean? Does it mean to get ready to rain? What does that mean? I don't know. What does it mean? You need to ask the one who created it, the one who invented it. Does it not make sense to ask the inventor if you have a question as to what something is? How it works or why it even exists? Is there anyone here searching for their purpose in life? Are you tired of the cycle of life? Go to school, you get a job, maybe maybe you meet Mr. or Mrs. Wright. Settle down, work to play on the weekends, work to retire, have children, have grandchildren, maybe mix a little God in with church and into the equation. Or have you ever stopped long enough to ask the one who created you what your purpose in life is for? If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Hmm. I just want to look at a few things this morning before we close. And again, this is an ongoing series, an ongoing dialogue that we're having about purpose. I just can't assume that everyone who comes to church, you know it and you found it. I hope there are those here that are still searching. John chapter 1, starting with verse 19, but we're going to highlight a few verses here in a second. Speaking of John the Baptist, verse 19. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What you do? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the path of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now those, who were, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And I want to highlight just the next few verses, verse 35 through 37. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. I want to look at just a few things here this morning. I'm hoping that your life has followed the path of those two disciples. If not, that your life can follow their path. You see, John the Baptist was at the top of his game right now. He had people coming to him by the droves, wanting to be baptized. Every day he's baptizing dozens and dozens of people, telling them to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand. His popularity was at its peak. He even had his own disciples, one of whom we now know was Andrew, Peter's brother. John the Baptist looked at Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And then a strange thing happened, something that would normally have been very disturbing or very difficult for someone like John the Baptist a hand or someone in his shoes. See, John was gaining popularity. He, his movement was growing and more and more people were following him. And then something happened to his two disciples. They left him. They left. Why is that? They left John the Baptist. Let's go to verses 38 and then 39. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following said to them what do you seek? They said to him Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And He said in verse 39, he said to them come and see. Now you may be saying what on earth is he trying to pull out of these verses? What, what is going on here? You see I believe John's John the Baptist, his disciples, they were looking for answers to the same questions that we pose today. I think they wanted they wanted more out of life than just being fishermen or just being farmers or shepherds or blacksmiths. They wanted more out of life than to work at the bank or to be a teacher in school. They wanted more out of life than just to go every day to the factory and put their time in and work for their pension and their retirement. They wanted more out of life than that. As little kids, they were taught to obey the law, but that left them unfulfilled. Many people will go to church thinking church and going to church is where it's at, but they're still unfulfilled. I believe they were searching for something in life that they could give their life for. Something or someone that would give their life true meaning and true purpose. They heard about this man named John the Baptist. Baptizing down by the Jordan River. Preaching something new and something fresh. Perhaps he would be the one that could bring a message that would bring true meaning and purpose to their life. But all of a sudden John the Baptist starts talking about someone who would come after him. And set the world on fire. Then Jesus arrives And I believe deep within, they were drawn to Jesus. You see, their hearts had to be in a place where they were ready. Where are your hearts? Are your hearts ready? Are they in a place to receive the message of Jesus? You see, John the Baptist was indeed a great, great man. But this Jesus, there was just something about him. Just something about him. That they had to go follow. Verse 38, Jesus looks at them and says, What do you seek? Oh my, there is so much in these four little words. Hmm. I can remember whenever I graduated high school, many people would ask the standard question, What are you going to do now? What are you going to do with your life, Brock? I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. And I don't think most high school graduates, I don't think a lot of college or university graduates really know what they want to do in life. They're kind of, that's like a nomad part of their life, just trying to find themselves. And and uh, man, it was into my 30s before I even got into full-time ministry. A lot of times we search for a while, don't we? And we have thousands upon thousands of graduates today who will walk out with a piece of paper stating that they've accomplished something that many don't have a clue as to what they want to do with their life. But I believe this question that Jesus asked them, there is a deeper meaning behind it. More than a casual of, hey, I can just tell someone's following me here and turn around, what do you want? <laughs> or, can I help you? I believe when Jesus looked at them and asked them this question, He was speaking to their very souls. I believe that He was asking them, Have you found your purpose yet? Have you found your reason for living? Do you know what you're living for? Have you found that true purpose in which to give your life for? Think about it. There was something about this man that caused people to uh, uh, be drawn to him. He was like a magnet. And these two disciples, they were drawn to Jesus as well. There was something deep inside. They, They wanted more out of life. And you know he's asking the same question today to people, to all people. He's asking you and me and all of mankind, what are you looking for? And then he gives that even shorter answer, come and see, in verse 39. You see, Jesus makes it personal, church. If you recall in verse 35, what's it say? And again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Verse 35 just told us that two of John's disciples began following Jesus. Now, if you look down at verse 40, I found this to be interesting. Verse 40, it says, One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. It tells us about one of them, and uh, Andrew became a major figure within the party of twelve of Jesus' group. But I asked myself, what happened to the second one? Where would the second person go? I mean, there were two of John the Baptist's disciples, and they left, and we know about one is Andrew, but what about the second person? Did he fall away? We know that many people, they begin to follow Jesus, but when they begin to hear his teachings, many left, and they turned. It was just too tough for them. Maybe... They decided to go, and since they did not see what they wanted to see or hear, what they really wanted to hear, they wanted this Jesus to take over, to be the Messiah, to take over Jerusalem, to take over Rome, to set up and bring Israel back to prominence. And he's not really talking about that. So did this second person leave? I don't know. But I think it's entirely possible that this second person was the Apostle John himself. Very well could have been. I can't start another religion on that. I can't start another church on that, but it kind of makes sense. Look at how he finished verse 39. He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. That is in our time. That is four o'clock in the afternoon. He stated the time. That is a very specific piece of information that the writer gave here. Perhaps John is writing in the third person. We know that he did this at times in the book. Maybe this was John's way of saying, I can tell you the day and I can even tell you the time. I can tell you exactly where I was standing. It was on a spring afternoon in Galilee when I met Jesus. The day that I found my reason for living. The day that my life changed forever. Do you remember where you were when you met Jesus? Do you remember where you were standing or what was taking place that day in your life when you met Jesus? And then Jesus began to make it personal, and he makes it personal today. Jesus, in essence, is saying, you want to find your true meaning and purpose in life? Come and see. Come, follow me, and I will show you how you can truly be fulfilled. You see, getting back to what I said earlier, and then I'm going to be closing. Most people today are asking the wrong question. They're asking that question right there. What is my purpose in life? When instead they should be asking this question. What is God's purpose for my life? Are you asking the wrong question today? Oswald Chambers said this. Joy... Comes from seeing the complete fulfillment of the specific purpose for which I was created and born again, not from successfully doing something of my own choosing. Maybe you've never really thought about this question what is your purpose? There are millions of people out there, some even perhaps here today, deep down inside, you're not content, you're not satisfied. And you're saying inside of yourself, man, there's got to be more than this. I'm working hard. I have a wonderful wife, a wonderful husband, a wonderful family. I have a good career. I have everything that someone could want. I have a good church. I have a lot of friends in the church. Why do I feel so unfulfilled? There's got to be more. Many are sitting in the small cubicles of life, wondering when it's all going to make sense and feel right. When are they going to finally do something that matters? If you, this is you this morning, let me tell you that there is a cause for which you can give your life for. You were made for a purpose. You may feel at times like you're here just by random chance, an accident of life. But if that's you, let me encourage you today. Stop looking for the answers in life and look to the one who created you. Look to the one who created you for the specific purpose in life, and that is Jesus Christ. Dick, I don't know what song you've picked. We're just going to close. I'm not, no, I'm not going to drag this out. I'm going to ask Dick, and I believe Joyce is going to come up and play. I don't know what the song is. And as Jesus, as Jesus said to the disciples, come and see. I invite you to keep coming back in the coming weeks to see what his true purpose is for you. Because really, his purpose for you is really the same purpose as it is for me. Now, it may take different avenues. It may look different. It, it may, uh, uh, you know, have different avenues. And, and But it's the same. But if you're wondering aimlessly today, you don't have to wait. You can start your journey today. You can look at your Creator and you can find yourself today. Maybe you won't have all the answers today, but you can begin the journey. What do you want? What are you looking for? You will not find true fulfillment in anywhere and anyone else other than Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head, please? Father God, thank you for your word. God, really, um, this message could have been summed up in just a few verses as we look at some individuals who, they were following a man who was speaking some interesting words, but then they saw you. And they knew there was something about you. God, maybe just about everybody that I'm talking to here today, they've experienced that purpose. They've experienced that change in their life. They've experienced that time to where you said, come and see, and they came and they experienced the grace of Jesus Christ. Or maybe there's someone here this morning that's just, they're struggling, God. They've been trying to find life themselves. They've been asking it wrong. They've been trying to say, what is my purpose? God, help them to ask the question, God, what purpose do you have for me? Lord, we thank you. Continue to speak to us today and in the coming days and weeks. God, I thank you that today we can have victory. Today we can be on a path of knowing who it is that we're serving and who it is that we're living for. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand, please? Page number 514.